All right, guys, it is time, it is time, it is time to start a Christmas series, right? It is that season. I don't know about you, but it, it, it feels like for me that Christmas always comes like too early in the year. Um, has that been you? Has that been your experience where like you're, you're like, it's, we just celebrated 4th of July and they're putting Christmas decorations out already. Like that's what it feels like, except for this year. This year has gone on for so long. I think it's because of COVID and all the shutdowns and everything. And it just seems like, I mean, like years ago that when we had a shutdown as a church, when we were meeting in the Performing Arts Center, guys, this was still like last year that we were meeting in the Performing Arts Center. But it seems like so long ago, but it's time for Christmas. And I just wanted to ask you, like in your own mind, in your own home, when does Christmas like start for you? Like when is you're like, oh yeah, it's Christmas season. For some people, it's seeing the decorations in the store. For some people, it's Black Friday when they finally go shopping for themselves. I mean, for other people in their family, like that's when Christmas actually starts for them. Uh, for some, it's when that special Christmas recipe hits the table. How many of you guys have a family like Christmas thing that you eat? Like it's a family thing. Doesn't come out very often, but it comes out that one time a year. Anybody like that? My family does that. It's like these little cheese sausage biscuit balls that we do like that's what we do in my house and when it that's Christmas time when that thing hits the table but I have a, I had a thought you know as, as I was preparing for this about holiday recipes pumpkin spice all that stuff right if they were really that good wouldn't we do it all year right <laughs> or is it you know is it something where like scarcity makes us like it and then because we don't like keep it around the whole time like you were like oh yeah uh, I'm telling you my little sausage ball recipe thing that thing's good but by by all means pumpkin spice eh, I could take it or leave it for some of us it's Christmas movies it's the first time that you sit down and you watch Elf I found out this week that a couple of people that I know don't like Elf I don't know how we're friends. I just don't know. I, I don't know. We're, I love that movie. I love that movie. For some people, it's A Wonderful Life. For some people, it's uh, Home Alone. Just different Christmas movies kind of set us in the spirit. For some people, it's going to look at the Christmas lights or it's putting up the Christmas tree. Whatever your tradition or whatever gets you into the Christmas spirit, one thing that we should always be careful of is that we don't lose the reason for the season. We don't lose the reason why we separate it. Christmas at its core, at its purest form, is ab about the coming of our Savior. Christmas isn't uh, about different schedules or different traditions or having people visit or having to cook more or having to clean more or having to wrap gifts. Christmas isn't about all that. It's not about shopping. It's not about how kids' concerts at school. All my kids' concerts this year are, are virtual over Zoom. Every single one of them. That we're, do, we're still doing them, but we're doing them over Zoom. Uh, it's not about those things. Christmas isn't about gifts. It's about the gift, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We got to keep the main thing, the main thing during this Christmas season. Does that mean that we have to be a Grinch? Does that mean that we like go through and we're like, you know, bah humbug, Christmas lights. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to celebrate this. I'm not going to do. It. No, no, you can celebrate that stuff, but you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's not that what the meaning of Christmas is not found underneath a Christmas tree. It's found in a manger. In returning to the meaning of Christmas, we must recognize that God's presence is in our lives during this season, if you have your Bibles in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says this, Therefore, 
The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin, this is Mary he's talking about, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Matthew later on tells us what Emmanuel actually means. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. God is not distant. God is not far off. God is not just really like he didn't just create the world and then just back away and let everything, all the chaos happen. God is near us. God is with us. And, and, and this is what this, this message of Christmas, it teaches us that God is right there with us in this season. If you don't feel God's presence in a fresh way during Christmas, the Christmas season, that could be a sign that you're doing it wrong. Take a step back and ask yourself. The Jewish people, uh, they, they had many, many holy days. Passover reminded them of their deliverance from out of slavery in Egypt. Yom Kippur was their day of atonement. That's Remember, we talked about this in our, our series about the Bible. Atonement is making right of a sin. It's when I, uh, I say something wrong to my kids, I, I mess up, I say the wrong thing to them, and then I have to take them to ice cream because I have to make atonement for what I did wrong, right? Um, Lily, my daughter in the room. Now that we have all the kids out, I can say this to us, and I'll say it really quietly. When she was eight, we were in, in the mall in Texas visiting family, and she said, Dad, or, or my, my sister-in-law said, Dad, or, or my sister-in-law certainly did not call me Dad. I need to slow down. My sister-in-law said, Jeff, where did you get that gift that Lily has? Because we've been looking for that. We can't find it anywhere. And it was the gift that Santa bought Lily. And I said, oh, I found it online. And Lily just goes, like, just all of a sudden, I ruined it. And I just looked at Lily and I go, come on, sweetie, we got to go get some ice cream. And I got some explaining to do, right? I had to make atonement for the mistake that I've just made. And I just stuck my foot in my mouth in a massive way. And so the, the Hebrews, they celebrated this day of atonement. Christianity also has holy days. At Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and we separate, we celebrate uh, Christ's birth at Christmas. These holy days are set aside or days that we set aside to remind ourselves the reason for which we celebrate, to remind ourselves that God, the Holy One, did something in our lives to change us, to help us, to pull us closer to Him, and to make us more like Him. We set aside holy days for a specific purpose. And eventually, these terms holy days became an English term that we use, holidays, right? And so when someone says happy holidays, don't get bent out of shape about it. Just say, okay, okay, whatever. You can say Merry Christmas back to them if that's your jam. But just realize that the holy day of Christmas is something that we need to keep because we need to keep Christmas as holy, being filled with and led by the Spirit and make sure that it's about Jesus. Make Christmas for you a holy day day. Make it a holy day. We want God's presence to help us be more present in this season. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in perfect unity, bringing, uh, accomplishing two things in the Bible. The first is this, that they glorify God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you look through the Bible, the Father's not the mean one, the Son's not the nice one, and the Holy Spirit's not the weird one. If you look at the Bible and what it says, the Bible says that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are completely unified in two things. The first is this, that they bring glory 
to God. They glorify the Father. Jesus says that that was what he was doing on earth. He was here to glorify the Father. And the second thing that they're in complete unity on is to redeem humanity. And we see this in the arrival of Jesus on earth. That when, in his, when he was born in a manger, as we see this, the Father sends the Son, and we see the links that the Father and the Son would go to save humanity. The Son comes to make all things right. God did not choose to send his son into the world the way that a God or a king should come into the world. No, he was born. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable. He wasn't even born in a house. He was born. He was placed in a manger. This tells us that Christmas is for everybody. For everybody, for you and for me, it doesn't matter what your status is, what your bank account is, how much, uh, how much money you got, how awesome your job is, how many people report to you, how many people you report to. It does not matter. Christmas is for everybody because when we put Christ at the center of this holy day, we welcome God's presence and his presence makes us more present. Where does comfort and joy come from Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 through 11 Paul writes this to the Philippian church so if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy he's saying this is what's going to bring me the most joy By being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord of one mind. And what is this one mind that he's talking about? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to their own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man. So this is what we celebrate at Christmas time, him taking on the form of a servant, him coming at such a lowly birth, him taking on the likeness of you and I and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus' entire life from stable to being a carpenter to his death on the cross to being placed in a borrowed tomb was an example of humility. Paul continues, therefore, God was has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Christmas is not a time for us to look to our own interest. That's what society has made it about. And so, so many of us, we, we go through and we, we, we look at what's happening in our world and it's about the gifts that I'm getting and the things that I'm doing and my family and my, what, what I want to be happy about and what's going to make me complete during this season. But we're told here, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Don't look to your own interests, but look to the interests of others. This is the example that Jesus gives us. 
to look to the interests of others. For many of us, this is the time of year where focusing on Christ should be the easiest. But for some of us, this is a time where it's actually the hardest because there's so many distractions. There's so many things and there's overwhelming stress that can creep in. And so how do we get back to the heart of Christmas? And it's simply this. We worship Jesus. We worship Jesus. When our hearts are oriented towards Jesus, everything else falls into place. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. The way we spend our time, the way we give, the way we love is shaped by who we worship. So in this season, if we make it about Jesus and he's our focus in worship, then all things fall into place. If this season is about anything else, then the focus of our worship begins to drift. If you look at the Christmas story in Scripture, nearly every character, nearly every person in this story who encountered baby Jesus had the same response. And that's worship. They worshiped the new king. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Excitement, anticipation, and hope. This is what the shepherds had when they approached Jesus. We put these emotions at the feet of whatever we worship. So as you're entering to the season, ask yourself, what am I excited about? What am I anticipating? What am I hoping for? Is it that is it I'm excited about my family coming into town? That's a good thing. You should be excited about that. Is the anticipation I'm going to get the new AirPod or the new Mac, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's what I'm anticipating, right? That's what I want, right? Is the hope that, man, uh, somehow something happens and, you know, COVID is gone tomorrow, which I believe God can do. Is that the hope that there is or is the hope uh, our excitement, anticipation and hope placed into the person of Jesus? Our excitement, anticipation, hope tell us where our worship is. Where are you placing your excitement, anticipation and hope this season? 2020 has been a crazy year. I think we can all agree, right? It's been a crazy year and a year of global pandemic It's really hard to imagine what life was like before. It's really hard to imagine. I don't know about you. I was I was watching the show the other day and people uh, it was a group of people in a a setting. They were like at a restaurant and um, out to eat together. And and they all none of them were wearing masks. There was no mask in the thing. And then all of a sudden they're hugging each other and like high fiving and like kissing each other on the cheek. And I was like, what is this? What is happening right now? You're like, it just totally weirded me out because I was like, I don't know what's going on here because it's just so different now, right? We've just grown accustomed. If you ever wondered if you were adaptable, this year teaches you that you are adaptable. Go ahead and say it to yourself. I'm adaptable, right? You are adaptable. You can do it. You can make it through some crazy, crazy things. And that's what we've experienced this year. Over 55% of Americans know someone who has been hospitalized or died from COVID-19. Many of us have felt this sting personally. Many people have also lost their businesses. They've lost their livelihoods. On top of it, there's all this strife, all this strife. 
you should be wearing a mask. How dare you tell me to wear a mask? All this strife that we're just living through. None of us started this year thinking that we'd be dealing with what we're dealing with right now. And it all came upon us unexpectedly. I don't know if you, you guys were writing in your planner uh, this past uh, December. You're like, hey, what am I going to be doing next year? Well, um, I'm not going to be working as much. And I'm not going to be, you know, bank account's going to look a little slim. And, well, um, I'm going to have to be wearing a mask and I'll be working from home. Parents, how's that going, right? You have kids running in, screaming, all kind of stuff. It's just weird is what's happening. All this came on unexpectedly. And for some of us, the problems of previous years now seem trivial. I can think about what, what were my problems this time last year? Doesn't seem like that big of a deal. As I was preparing for our Christmas series this year, a Christmas hymn came to mind. And it was God rest ye merry gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. It seems like there's a lot to dismay right now. It seems like there's a lot going on. Dismay is this. It's, a, it's an old word. Some of you guys are like, I don't use dismay a lot. But let me tell you what it means. It means this. Anxiety or distress typically caused by something unexpected. Anxiety or distress typically caused by something unexpected. It seems like there's a lot to dismay in the world right now. But the statement from the hymn is this, that there'd be nothing that we would dismay, that God would bring us rest, that God would bring you and I rest. It goes on to say this, remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. All of this stuff happening where you're, you may ask yourself, where is God in this? Where is God in all this? How could God let this happen? How could God uh, allow this to affect families? I, I read a story just the other day. There's a, a player in the NBA. He's lost seven relatives, seven relatives to COVID. And it's just crazy what's happening in our world. How could God let this happen to our world? How could God let this happen to a church? Church has been closing because of it. Where is God in all of this? But we believe that God brings us rest. And what the plan for Satan that has brought to this world, that has, brought, that has wreaked all this havoc, that's created all this destruction, we believe that that does not get the final word, that, the, that Christ who was risen from the dead can do the same thing in our hearts. And because of that, we don't dismay when we face times of trouble. Instead, we place our hope and our trust and our incitement and our anticipation. We place all these things at the foot of Jesus because we believe at the end of the day that Jesus will conquer. First Corinthians chapter 15 says this, when the perishable that's when the parts of us that can be sick, the parts of us that can die, the parts of us that are broken, the parts of us that shed tears, the parts of us that, that, that go through things, the parts of us that, that struggle, the parts of us that doubt. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass when it, the saying that it was written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death 
death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord uh, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In a year where the sting of death has felt closer than ever, we're reminded that the coming of Jesus breaks the power of death and gives us victory. You can stand in victory today. It does not matter how hard your job is getting. It does not matter how sickness affects your body. It does not matter what's going on around you. You can stand in victory today because Jesus is victorious. Does this mean that you and I don't feel lost? Certainly not. We absolutely feel lost, but we know that death does not get the final word. Jesus does. This is the good news. This is good tidings of comfort and joy. And so my prayer for you today is whatever is dismaying you, whatever is causing anxiety, whatever is causing distress, whatever is inside of you, and you're just like, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I feel this way. Some people, like your, your body has actually like manifested stress into like sickness in this year, and you don't know why it's going on. You don't know what is happening inside of you. You don't have to dismay because the gospel tells us that Jesus, the one we serve, is victorious. And when our names are in him, when our identities are in him, then whatever victories he has is the same victories that we have. And so as he is victorious over death, so will you and I be victorious over death. This is good tidings of comfort and joy. My prayer for you this season is that comfort Enjoy comes to you in fresh and new ways. That the things that dismay you will come into perspective of an all-conquering king. That you find rest. See, we, we look at Jesus. We, we sing the song often here. We sing the song, it's called The Lion and the Lamb. We look at Jesus as this little baby who was born in the manger like so innocent, so vulnerable, like he he really should have gotten a better deal there, right? And it's just this like little lamb that like like all of us can understand. All of us have been broken like that. But the the same scripture teaches us that he is also the lion. He's also the conquering king. He's also the one. And so he has one foot firmly planted in both areas. He is both fully lion and fully lamb. He will conquer all. And so as we look to Jesus, as we look at this baby in the manger, we see someone who is accessible, someone who we can approach, someone who understands what it's like not to have a lot, someone who understands what it's like to be broken, someone who understands what it's like to have family conflict, someone who understands what it's like to, to have uh, not be able to, to struggle, to, have, to worry about if their needs are going to be met or not. He, we understand this because we see that in him in the manger. But he's also the conquering king. He's also the one who will defeat even death. And so this Christmas season, don't dismay. Don't dismay. 
place your hope, your anticipation, and your excitement at the feet of Jesus. Jesus.